Hey, I'm Michael, online pastor at Silverdale Baptist Church, and I'm excited to welcome you to our podcast. Now, after you listen to this episode, I hope you'll stick around for just a moment. I'll be sharing about some resources we have for you, as well as a few things going on at Silverdale right now that we would love for you to be a part of. Now, I really hope this podcast is just what you need today to help you in your relationship with Jesus. Well, if you, w- if you will, uh, as we've done all through this series, let's quote and recite the Apostles' Creed. And uh, I think we can do that together. If, if you could stand with me, uh, let's say the Apostles' Creed that's on the screen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth, and Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended to hell. The third day He rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and sits on the right hand of the Father Almighty. From whence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. So we've covered every phrase in the Apostles' Creed up to this point, and now we come to the very last word the word Amen. Have you, ever heard, have you ever heard a message on just one word? Well, I don't think I've ever preached a message on just one word either. So we're in this together. Um, but my prayer is for you is that having heard this message, you'll never look at the word amen the same again. That it will uh, transform the way you look at that word and it will you'll see how important it is and you'll embrace that truth. So how important is just one word in Scripture? What what does God's Word teach us about the importance of just one word? Proverbs 30, verse 5, Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in Him. Matthew 5, 18, Jesus said, For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all Scripture is inspired by God, breathed by God, and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Why? So that the man of God may be perfect, completely equipped for every good work. So, we believe that every word of God is important, that it's inspired, it's God-breathed. So, then, every word has a purpose. Why do we say amen? Amen. If this is the word we're looking at tonight, why do we say amen? Any response? What's that? Agreement. So be it. Why do we say it? Well, um, if you look at the, the Apostles' Creed, the reason we just said it is because we are affirming what we just what we just read and saying by by saying the word amen we're saying that we believe it but what does the word really mean well in most languages around the world the word amen is 
is really untranslated. And it sounds very familiar depending on where, wherever you go. And, you know, if you listen to a person that'll pray in uh, Chinese or Swahili or Spanish, German, French, Russian, Arabic, you're going to probably recognize one word in their prayer, and it's going to be the word amen or a, maybe a different pronunciation, but you'll, you'll pick up that one word. Um, even though it may sound a little bit different, uh, it'll be something that'll be recognized. But you know, even in the English language, the word amen uh, is pronounced differently. Uh, maybe from this, for many of you, from the Baptist faith, you know, we say amen. But uh, maybe if you've been from other backgrounds, maybe from a Presbyterian background, it's amen. But uh, maybe some of you have been around or in churches that say, Amen. <laughs> well, the word Amen has really become more, really come nothing more than just a uh, ritualized conclusion to a prayer. It's like, it's treated like a period to end a prayer. Like when they say Amen, then we know the prayer's done. Yet, the, the Hebrew and the Greek words for Amen appears hundreds of times in the Bible. And there's a reason for that. And they have several usages. See, the word amen is not a translation, but it's a transliteration of the Hebrew word emen. It occurs more than a hundred times in the Old Testament. And it means to strongly agree and affirm or to recognize as true and trustworthy. The basic root indicates firmness or certainty. It expresses the basic concept of support and is used in the sense of a the strong arms of a parent holding a helpless baby. That's the certainty that that baby has of being in the arms of the parent. It can be translated in a variety of ways, like truly, so be it, let it be, there you have it, certainly, absolutely, I affirm just what you said, that's exactly what I believe. And sometimes when the truth is preached, you'll hear somebody say, that's right, come on preacher, Preach it, brother, you know, whatever. So the word amen should have some powerful meaning. It's, it's in, really intended to be a congregational response of, a, of agreement to what has been said. It's a bold declaration that God has been heard, that he's, that he's heard our prayer and that he will answer. It's a positive response when truth is proclaimed. Um. Amen really is this, though. It's God's way of saying yes to us. And our response of amen is agreeing with what God has said. So when God states amen after declaring the truth in Scripture, He wants us to pay close attention to what He is emphasizing. So keep that in mind. Whenever you see the word amen in Scripture, it's to get our attention to say, why has God brought that out and emphasized that so much. So the challenge for us then is to say amen when we hear the truth. To agree, to affirm what has been said. Now, let's look at this. How is amen used in the Old Testament? Well, it's used in a couple of ways. <clears throat> a couple of ways. First, it's a, a, as an affirmation of a curse. Thirteen times it's used as a curse. For example, Deuteronomy 27, 16 says, Cursed is he who dishonors his father and mother, 
and all the people shall say, Amen. That is, we agree with the curse. Let it be. Um, On eight different solemn occasions in the Old Testament, it's used uh, as a declaration of praise to God. Here's some examples. Nehemiah 8, 5, and 6. Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. Then Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, while lifting up their hands. Then they bowed low and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Then Psalm 72, 19. And blessed be his glorious name forever, and may the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. And you notice here, the psalmist is repeating the word amen to, for double certainty. And it's, it, it impl- implies that he's expecting the people to respond, Okay, I've said amen, now you say amen. And then Psalm 106, 48. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting even to everlasting let all the people say, Amen. Praise the Lord. See, Amen is the, congregational's, uh, is the congregational's, congregation's way of affirming what the leader has said, the blessing from the leader. See, when great things are spoken about God in a public gathering, the most fitting thing for us to do is to express agreement and affirmation back. Now, how is amen used in the Gospels? In the New Testament, the Greek word amen is used 140 times. And it appears as amen or truly. That's how it's transliterated in the New Testament or translated truly. 75 times in the Gospel, Jesus introduces his teaching by saying amen lego humen, which is translated truly I say unto you. It's used 25 times in the book of John where the word amen is always doubled and repeated and translated with the words truly, truly I say to you. In other words, this asserts that Jesus' words are absolutely true because he's the one saying them. So here's some examples. John 3, 3. Jesus answered and said, truly, truly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. John 5, 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but has passed out of death into life. John six forty seven. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. John 10. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. John ten seven. Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Then John twelve twenty four. Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. So Jesus used it many times in the book of John. How is amen, though, used in the rest of the New Testament? Well, after the Gospels, it's used 29 times, and it always appears as the word Amen. All right, guys, now's the time for audience participation. It's an opportunity for you to respond. We're going to look at some amazing 
declarations that God has, God's word has said to us. And he's punctuated each of these declarations with the word amen. And we need to affirm these promises. But you've got to embrace these truths as, as your own. If you really believe these, then you're going to want to respond whenever you see the word amen. So let's look at some of these examples. Romans eleven thirty six affirms that God is our source, our force, and our course. For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be the glory forever. Amen. Romans fifteen thirty three affirms that God is our peace. May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. Galatians 1 affirms that Jesus is our deliverer. May God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Jesus gave His life for our sins just as God our Father planned in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. All glory to God forever and ever. Amen. Ephesians 3 affirms that God is limitless. Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we even ask or think according to the power that works within us. To Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Philippians 4 affirms that God is our provider. And my God will supply all your needs according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be the glory forever and ever. Amen. First Timothy 1 affirms that Jesus is the King. All honor and glory to God forever and ever. He is the eternal King. The unseen one who never dies. He alone is God. Amen. First. Timothy 6 affirms that Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone possesses immortality and dwells in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see, to Him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. 2 Timothy 4 affirms that Jesus is my rescuer. The Lord will... Rescue me from every evil deed and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Hebrews 13 affirms that Jesus equips us to do his will. Now the God of peace who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus our Lord equip you in every 
good thing to do His will, working in us that which is pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. First Peter 4 affirms God that gives us gifts to bring Him glory. God has given each of you a gift from His great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God Himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to Him forever and ever. Amen. 1 Peter 5 affirms that God keeps on giving us His grace. After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to His eternal glory in Christ, will Himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To Him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. Just as a side note, God never wastes pain. He always uses it for our good and for His glory. Over these last days, I've come across this quote from Charles Spurgeon. He said, I dare say the greatest blessing that God can give to any of us is health, with the exception of sickness. The good that I have received from sorrows and pains and griefs is altogether incalculable. Affliction is the best furniture in my house, the best book in my library. Wow. Second Peter 3 affirms that God gets all the glory. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Jude 1 affirms that God gives us stability. Now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of His glory, blameless with great joy. (laughs) To the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Revelation 1 affirms that Jesus redeems us. Grace to you and peace from Him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before His throne. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To Him who loves us and released us. From our sins by His blood. And He has made us to be a kingdom. Priest to His God and Father. To Him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, He is coming with the clouds. And every eye will see Him. 
even those who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him. So it is to be. Amen. Revelation 3 and 5 affirm that Jesus himself is the amen. (laughs) Write to the angel of the church in Laodicea. The amen. The faithful and true witness. The originator of God's creation says. And who is the originator of God's creation? Jesus himself. Revelation 5, Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders. And the number of them was myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing and every created thing which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and on the sea and all things in them. And I heard saying, To Him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. And the four living creatures kept saying, Amen. And the elders fell down in worship. And I believe the reason they kept saying it is because they're recognizing Jesus is the Amen. We, just can't, can't, we can't help but keep saying it over and over and over and over and over. Revelation 7 affirms that Jesus is to be worshipped forever. After these things I looked and behold a great multitude which no one could count from every nation and all tribes and peoples and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed in white robes and palm branches were in their hands. And they cried out with a loud voice saying, Salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. And then last but certainly not least, Revelation 22, the last two verses in your Bible, affirm that Jesus is coming soon. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come Lord Jesus, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Amen. Well, we've had church already, haven't we? (laughs) So why should we say amen? There's three reasons. We'll look at these quickly from two different passages. First, saying amen encourages the others in the body. 1 Corinthians 14 is speaking with uh, the spiritual gift of tongues, and, it's, and it relates to this word by saying, Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit. With my spirit. But I will sing with my mind also. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you're saying? 
For you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up. So we don't know when to say amen unless we understand and agree to what's being said. But when we do understand it, then we say amen. And as a result, we build up and encourage one another. Number two, we say amen because Christ has said amen to us. Our lives should say amen and yes to him as a result. 2 Corinthians 1.20, English Standard says, For all the promises of God find their rest, yes, in Him. That is why it is through Him that we utter our amen to God for His glory. I like how the New Living Translation says it. For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. And through Christ, our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for His glory. See, we don't deserve God's grace to pursue us and save us, do we? All we deserve is hell. Everything beyond that is grace. But when he saved us, Jesus became God's amen to us, his yes to us. We receive all of God's promises when we trust him. So everything God could possibly give us for our good, he has deposited it into our account in Christ, because that's where we are. We're in Christ. So when a sinful person meets the holy God in Christ, what he hears is, yes. Do you love me? Yes. Will you forgive me? Yes. Will you accept me? Yes. Will you help me change? Yes. Will you give me power to serve you? Yes. Will you keep me? Yes. Will you show me your glory? Yes. See, Jesus is God's decisive yes to everyone who believes. So do you doubt that God loves you? Look to Jesus. Do you doubt that God has his best for you? Look to Jesus. Do you doubt that God's promises are true? Look to Jesus. So the questions for us are are these. They're on your sheet there. Are you believing God's promises? Have you said yes to all of God's yes to you? Is there any of God's yes to you that you are saying no? Or maybe, or not now. And maybe specifically, to what promise does God want you to say yes tonight? Tony referred to that tonight. God wants to do a work in us, particularly during this, this season. And he's going to speak to us. He's going to ask us to believe him. To step out and believe him. To believe his yes. And he'll give us the faith to do that. Three, why else do we say amen? Saying amen is our yes to God. So when we hear the truth, we should affirm it by saying amen. We do this in a couple of ways, uh, in our prayer and in our praise. Second uh, Corinthians one twenty, we looked at before. The first half says, for all the promises of God find their yes in Christ. But the second half says this, that is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. See, when you realize that amen and yes mean the same thing, here's what the verse means. In Jesus Christ... God says his yes, 
His amen to us through His promises. And in Christ, we say our yes, our amen back to God through our prayer and our praise. John Piper makes this great quote. God is calling us not to be isolated, silent, encapsulated individuals in worship. Privately coming, privately hearing, privately going, with no one able to tell what we love or cherish or long for. Because we haven't expressed an echo with anything. God is calling us out of our cocoons of emotional isolation and invisible, inaudible, and unshared responsiveness. God's will is that we echo the excellence of God in our preaching and prayer. That we express our affirmation of the truth of God in the word. And that we resonate verbally with Godward longings and yearnings in prayer. Wow. So in our prayer is how we should respond with yes, with amen. Now, I think, put yourself, as you probably have many times, in a, in a position where you're in a circle of prayer, in a small group, and someone's praying. But there's complete silence. What does that mean? Well, that could be very, very discouraging to the person who's praying. Instead, as others pray, we should whisper in agreement. Yes. Amen. I'm in agreement with you. This is a beautiful way to support that person who's pouring out his heart to God and join him in prayer. And at the end of their prayer, to say amen in unison is a great way of showing agreement before the throne of grace. So when you listen to someone pray, are you longing for what they're praying for? Are you aching for God to work in that situation? Are you giving glory to God for what they're praising him for. So that's one way we need to say amen is in, in prayer. Secondly is in our praise. What about when you hear the word preached? Preaching is worship. When a person is proclaiming the truth, it's powerful. But if there's no verbal echo and affirmation, it is unnatural and unhealthy. It's like when a wife comes home, she's seen this beautiful sunset. And she comes in and she tells her husband and her kids about this gorgeous sunset that she's just seen. And they just sit there and don't respond. That's very unnatural and unhealthy. So when you listen to the word preached, are you affirming the truth? With praise back to him? I think there's very clear evidence in Scripture that we are to be verbal in our affirmation of the truth when we hear it. So one of my prayer, part of my prayer for this message is that we will become a much louder church. Not loud, loud in our music, louder in music. That's pretty loud already. But I'm talking, what about preaching? When we hear the word preached, when we hear a testimony, when we hear somebody pray, are we willing to be verbal? And affirm what's being said. Here's the conclusion. Amen is a word that God has prepared for us for over 4,000 years. But it's not for dominating a service or distracting others. That's the wrong use. And we have perhaps have seen some of that misuse in our, in our lifetime.
But it is simply a call for us to make praying and preaching a wonderful opportunity to affirm the truth and express glory to God. It's a call for authentic and heartfelt expressions of yes and amen. But most importantly, it's this. It's a call for us to say yes and amen by the very surrender of our lives to Him. Amen? There's no more fitting way, I believe, to end this message than hearing the classic song entitled Amen by Larnell Harris. Amen. Amen. You try it one time. Come on, say it. Sing it over one time true. Listen to my story. It's a story about my Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Now we see the little baby. We know that he's wrapped in a manger. How many of you know the story? One Christmas morning. I'm at the seashore Talking to the fisherman And he's making us disciples Riding through Jerusalem Remember that? When they wave the palm branches Come on In Father, in deepest sorrow, let me for Pilate, and then they crucified him, but he rose.
this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the connect card button. In our weekend worship services, we are in a sermon series called the seven commands of Christ. Jesus gave dozens of commands and as followers of Jesus, we should obey all of them. Over the next several weeks, we are focusing on seven that will change your life. We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses, or you can attend online. You will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website. You know, there's so many ways for you to get involved and be a part of what God is doing here at Silverdale, and we really want you to feel welcome and a part. So please stay connected. Be sure to like and follow us on the different social media accounts. You'll find all the links in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, help us spread the word about this podcast. Take a moment to share this episode with your family and friends. Again, we appreciate you listening and hope you will join us again next time.